Hi, everybody. We are on episode eight of season seven, and I have Matt Rand back with me. Hi, Matt. Good morning. How are you keeping? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. So, survived a, a couple of holidays, which in fact, of course, you'd be very lucky to go on in the first place. Down to Cornwall with the whole family, and it was uh, rather nice. soggy and wet, but it was it was uh, lovely. And then the following week, I went fishing in Gloucestershire, and um, yeah, it looks like it rained and it rained and it and the wind uh... was blowing and the wind was blowing. But I messed. Up, I, I met up with my um, the, the best man at my wedding. Oh, lovely. So, so that was 33 years ago, and uh, we, we, we chewed the fat for a long time, as we always do. So that was, that was a nice ending. And, of course, as it was inside, we weren't fishing together. It was a lot warmer. That is so very I've had, good. I've had, a, I've had a good couple of weeks, thank you. That's very, very good. Well, I'm, I've just survived. Obviously, people will be able to tell from the recording dates and everything and uh, when this comes out. So I'm just surviving the end of the Easter um, Easter holidays with the children. We've been away for a few days in Leeds. We had lots of fun, which was um, very, very nice. And um, we've come back. And um, obviously, as with everybody, as you know, when you're going on holiday, you come back and there's so much work that you're like, why did I even go on holiday in the first place? And then I've come back and my youngest has come out with chicken pox. So oh, um, no. it's going to be an extra, extra bit of time at home with him and doing some manic um, one arms typing on a laptop whilst cuddling him in the background as well. Um, so lots and lots of um, lots and lots of lovely cuddles for me. Obviously, I much prefer cuddles on a different uh, Sorry, reason, but you know, lots of lovely cuddles for me for the next week or so. But today, everybody, we are going to be talking about arranging protection insurance when you have sickle cell. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So everybody, today we're going to be talking about sickle cell and it's something where we are seeing more and more questions come up in terms of access to insurance. Sickle cell is a term uh, used for a group of inherited conditions that affect the blood and I'll leave Matt to tell us all about the technical side of things on that side. It is most common in people that have an African or Caribbean heritage. And there's also something as well known, and it's important for advisors to be very aware of, there's something known as sickle cell trait. Now, that is where somebody has inherited the sickle cell gene, but they don't actually have the sickle cell condition. And I'm going to talk about a case study at the end of this, where this became a little bit of a, a tricky situation um, when we were arranging um, insurance for somebody, um, just because there can be some confusion sometimes as to whether or not there is sickle cell trait or full sickle cell anemia. Um, there are approximately 15,000 people living with sickle cell in the UK at this time. So, Matt, can you start us off then, please, with giving us some background about what sickle cell is? Absolutely. Um... Sickle cell actually uh, contains a, a number of uh, diseases, medical disorders within the framework of sickle cell. So it's not just one particular disorder, medical disorder. So effectively, with with the group and the umbrella sickle cell, um, it's 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 a group of people who have an inherited, as you said already, blood cell disorder which affects the hemoglobin. And as we know, everybody will know who, who listen to the podcast regularly, that that's a protein that carries oxygen through the body. Um, it's, it is inherited, so you, you cannot um, acquire sickle cell disease later on in life. Um, you either have it or you don't have it from birth. What it actually, uh, sickle cell is, is, is an apt name 
for the disorder. If we're looking at haemoglobin cells in particular, of course, here, but they are unusually uh, shaped blood cells, actually, in the, the and they look under the microscope, they look sickle shaped. Okay, so it'd be like a yeah. crescent moon, I suppose you'd call it, maybe. Um, and hence why you get the term sickle. Now, the, as I've said, these are haemoglobin cells and they are vitally important to carry oxygen around the body. And unfortunately, with the uh, genetic um, fault, uh, these cells, the haemoglobin cells, don't live as long as healthy blood cells. And if you're not getting enough oxygen carried around the body, then that's going to cause issues. But also, because they are um, sickle-shaped and they tend to be hard as opposed to soft and round, like normal haemoglobin cells uh, of proteins, um, they can block blood vessels. So you've got two issues there, really, under sickle cell. Uh, blood cells, uh, sorry, the, the impacted red blood cells will die early and you're not going to have enough red blood cells in the body to do the job of carrying that oxygen but also they can get stuck they they break down die and they can get stuck in blood vessels and when you have a block in your blood vessels then that can cause all types of problems okay. what I've, I've talked about the uh the, the 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 clog in the blood flow now in terms of the uh, symptoms that you will get with that if you can think of thrombosis if anybody who's had a thrombosis is listening you will know how painful that is but it can cause significant pain and uh, it can cause generalized pain but also significant outbreaks of, of severe pain known as crises um, the sickle cell disease in its own right is is not well, it can, sorry, it, it, I was going to say it's not curable. That's that's not actually technically correct. There is only one cure for sickle cell disease, and uh, that is a blood and bone marrow transplant. But you, do need, you need to get a genetic match for those and therefore um, being able to move towards a, a blood and bone marrow transplant is in fact pretty rare. Now, there are other, there are other types of sickle cell disease, um, which... Um, our listeners may come across and we've talked about sickle cell trait and I'll go into that in a second but just to uh, to flag you do also have things like sickle sickle cell or sorry sickle beta thalassemia which again is a genetic um uh, inherited disorder again um predominantly seen in in um, at least in terms of people in, in in the USA in terms of people who have West Indian origins and uh, Western African origins. Mm. And it, and that one, I won't keep too long on this one because it gets a bit too technical, but um, the, the severity of that particular disease, bear in mind, it's a, it's a type of sickle cell disease. Therefore, we're looking at blockages in the vessels and um, lack of, um, of, of the haemoglobin traveling through the body, causing issues. Then it rather much depends on the type of sickle beta thalassemia if I can spit it out that you have and the there are two types really that are seen it's sickle cell uh, zero and sickle cell beta plus so beta zero and beta plus and uh, effectively for life insurance um, sickle cell beta is 
often can be accepted at standard rates for life insurance, where the um, sickle cell beta uh, plus is is one that would take ratings much more towards the uh, the full sickle cell disease. So just be aware that there are different types of sickle cell uh, disease and um, talk to you, talk to a, 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 a established very knowledgeable broker in, if, uh, if, it, if it gets confusing. In terms of sickle cell trait, Catherine, you, you already mentioned this, and this is effectively when, um, I'll go back to the how, how sickle cell disease actually comes about, if you want to. Yeah. Talk about that it's inherited. We've talked about that with this particular genetic disease, then both parents have to carry the sickle cell gene if i can call it that um sickle cell trait is where only one of the parents has got the sickle cell gene and the sickle cell trait there can be some complications of somebody who has sickle cell trait but they are pretty rare so i think in in, in most circumstances somebody with sickle cell trait with with no complications at all could, again can be put through at some um, generally standard rates for life insurance Sickle cell disease, as I said, is where both parents have it, sickle cell trait, um, and they pass it on to the child. Sickle cell trait is only where one of them, one of the parents has it. Yeah. Does that help in terms of providing a, a background? Yeah, I think that's really helpful just to understand it. So it's, as you say, I think for me, one of the big things is that I remember the fact that it's sickle shaped. That's what kind yeah. of like stands out for me. It helps me to remember that that's what's happening with the blood um, that the blood cells. And as you say, in terms of blockages, you know, it's it's not that, that sort of like round ellipsy kind of thing that we would expect from the, the blood cells, which means that everything's flowing through as we would expect it to. They're, they're more... More like a boomerang shape, maybe. That's right. a, and, a, a, and they're harder. Yeah. They're hard, so they're, they're, they're not flexible and fluid enough to get through those tight vessels. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now you've mentioned obviously the obviously the life insurance side of things. Um, so I'll talk a little bit at some point about what I maybe see in terms of the the underwriting outcomes as well. Um, but as an underwriter. Uh, just to help everybody, the advisors, what is it that you would be wanting to know? So if I were to come to you and say, right, Matt, I have somebody, they have sickle cell. This is the information I have. What would, ideally would you like to see to be able to to underwrite that? Okay. I, I don't I, need a GP report as well, probably. So I'm just reading the questions and sort of oh, that no, initial I, bit I, of information. No, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the things that, by the way, just on that particular point, and I know that you use this as well, is if the client has any medical records themselves, yeah. at least in terms of the initial inquiry, you're absolutely right. I would say that a GPR would be required at some stage, at least in the initial inquiry. It's a bit like cancer as well. Sorry, sickle yeah. cell has to do with cancer, but as a similar um uh, underwriting approach then it's the, the the devil is in the detail yeah okay and therefore if the client has any medical records or a report from their consultant or their last blood the clinic blood clinic that they went to um if they can send those to you uh, confidentially obviously then um th those can be a, a will take you a long way forward in determining your next steps possible yeah. terms sorry i'll go on my high horse there because uh <laughs> i'll get off my high horse no absolutely those, it's really those, useful those things are um i think often um missed by by advisors well they don't realize that avenue is open to them um okay and, and so so 
it's a very obvious thing to say, I think, but maybe it's because I'm an underwriter, but um, and, and touching on what I just said, it the, the first thing, if somebody says sickle cell disease, what do they actually mean by sickle, sickle cell disease? And is it sickle cell trait? Is it full sickle cell disease? Is it, let's say, one of the variants of sickle cell disease, like thalassemia, beta thalassemia, which I mentioned before, because knowing that will... Um, provide you with a better idea of, of where the terms may go or not so establish what type of sickle cell disease we are talking about right up front and yeah. then that will lead you down a, a, a path um in terms of uh if, if i look at the, the the what sickle cell disease in its full from glory it's not really the right expression for, for, for i wanted to use there yeah but um i get what you mean okay well thank you <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to belittle this disease whatsoever no, uh, no, no, the what we see um we've, we've talked about pain and so on and so forth but not surprisingly when when there's a disorder of hemoglobin we, we are looking at some um, past histories of anemia yeah. How often severe, whether that's where that has led to in terms of medical treatment, episodes of these pain crises, um, how often, where they've led to, um, history of swelling of hands and feet, whether there's been a frequent infections, um, vision problems. Um, if you can imagine um, the, the, the issue that we talked about with these sickle cells causing blockages in the small vessels, then if you can think of the major organs of the body. Now, if we particularly, particularly for instance, taking an example, use kidneys, if they start blocking off the blood flow to the kidneys, then that can lead to kidney problems. Yeah. Okay, is, so, there, is there a heightened risk for heart attacks and strokes? Very much on stroke. Yeah. I, and I, I, I see stroke mentioned all the time in, um, in, in, uh, reference books and so on and so forth um but i can't see ultimately why it, the, the heart attack wouldn't come in as well mm. but certainly strokes maybe it's because of the um the, the size of the vessels maybe i don't okay. know yeah but stroke certainly is a can be a problem and can be a cause of um of, of death obviously um so what i would be looking at as an underwriter i would first of all know what exactly i'm looking at in terms of um, the type of sickle cell disease that we're looking at, and then the history of any problems that have occurred. Now, um, we've said, or I've said, with the exception of um, a transplant, then sickle cell cannot sickle cell cannot be cured. But there are uh, treatments that can that can help. But what they tend to do is that they manage some of these issues that I've just talked about. Yeah. So it helps with the anemia, it helps with the pain, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and the the if, if on on average the actual life expectancy for somebody with sickle cell disease now, and this has improved absolutely dramatically uh, over the last thirty or forty years. Um, but is is around is between in the UK anyway between forty and sixty. Okay. And I've seen averages of around 54, 55 for the life expectancy of somebody with, with full blown sickle cell disease. 
But there are milder types, as I've already alluded to, and some of those types of sickle cell can, can lead to normal life expectancy. Sickle cell trait, again, any complications are very rare, I understand, with that particular um, uh, medical condition. Um, it should be a standard rates. Yeah. Okay, for life. Um does that help? I've kind of, I've, I've, I've talked yeah, about absolutely. what I would look for. So it's, it's, it's really just doubling back on the complications that somebody has. Yeah, I think how yeah. those have been treated and therefore how severe it, it has been or is for that particular individual. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I would, you know, it's really good to have all that background as to why I'd be asking those things. So from an advisor point of view, what I would be sort of like having is kind of like my my base template of questions. And I think what's important for all advisors when I do my training, I do suggest this to people is to build a spreadsheet and on each tab have like a condition. And in that, you know, have your question set so that you know what to ask for. And, you know, at first it can take a bit of time because, you know, you need to build up what these questions are. But for, say, something like sickle cell, you'd be saying to them, right, what type of sickle cell do you have? You know, is it full sickle cell disease? Is it sickle cell trait? When were you diagnosed? Obviously, a lot of people probably diagnosed quite young, but they might have been a bit older. Um, Any medications, any treatments that are needed? I would then, sorry, I'm just going to cough. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, what I would then ask is, um, I know you mentioned about the the crises, so that would be a really specific term to use as well. You know, have they experienced any crises due to the condition? Um, you know, maybe ask a little further, just you know, have you ever needed to be hospitalised at all um, due to condition? That can sometimes help to trigger some memories about things that have happened in the past. And again, that can really help people to understand and the underwriters to see what the severity of the symptoms are. Obviously, when when that happened, it would be really useful. So if you know that someone has been hospitalised once and it was five years ago, that would probably be quite different to say somebody who's been hospitalised three times in the last two years um, in terms of the underwriting outcomes um, for, for the different options. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I would generally have in my in my question set. Oh, another one that I do tend to ask people, because it does come up sometimes in the, in the question set, but I think it can just really help. Um, again, for me as an advisor to really quickly understand what I might be looking at in terms of research is, does the condition affect their ability to work or do day-to-day tasks at all? So as with a lot of conditions, you know, there are some conditions that would really stop people being able to work, especially once they reach certain stages, especially chronic conditions. Um, but ultimately, with, with lots of medical conditions, I wouldn't genuinely be expecting them to stop someone from working. So if someone isn't able to work due to that medical condition, it kind of leads me to straight away start to think, does this mean that this person's condition is actually, and their symptoms are actually quite severe? Um, and it, it's not always that's the case. It's just that it just gives you that initial bit of an inkling as to sort of, you know, well, why, you know, in some sense, why is this person not able to work? So as an example, let's say for anybody with any condition, say like someone tells you that they have sickle cell trait, as an example, and they say that there's no symptoms, there's no complications, but then they're not able to work because of it. That for me would immediately be thinking, well, something doesn't quite link here. That's not what I would be expecting to hear from this. So I need to maybe know a bit more because ultimately, if I were to speak to an underwriter and say the exact same thing to them, well, it's just the trade. There's no complications, but they can't work because of it. The underwriter as well will just turn back to me and say, but that doesn't necessarily match up with what we would usually expect from somebody with this medical condition. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's I generally have that in my question set. So when I train people, um, I train advisors, I have like question sets. So I say, right, just use this, you know, use this for pretty much everything. And that is one of them that really stands out. So in terms of like any potentially linked conditions, Matt, you know, I know we've spoken about, you know, you said about the swelling of the hands, you know, we've talked about, you know, potentially there could be some kidney conditions, some difficulties. So I, th I think, you know, it's, it's quite, it's quite, um, clear that you know if, if someone were to say to us you know that they've maybe had some difficulties with their kidneys we might be thinking well that could be linked to this so it could be a complication of it obviously an underwriter would probably be able to give us a much you know an underwriter wouldn't be expecting us as an advisor to maybe go oh well that's that's probably linked to this I don't want to scare advisors who are hearing this thinking oh I need to think about all this type of thing but if you gather that information then the underwriter will do that in the background if you're not yeah. it's someone who's confident to know that that's kind of a link there um and like you've said there's the eyes as well so eyes kidney involvement the swelling are there any other kind of linked conditions i know we mentioned possibly stroke is, is there anything else that we should be sort of thinking if that said then that would maybe make us think that maybe even for a period of time that the condition wasn't as well controlled as we would hope it would be um i think the only one i mean i i think 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 of um the blockage in the arteries um sorry not the arteries in the blood vessels sorry and think of the the, the challenge i've got with, to answer that one is it, it's pretty generic a, a a blockage in a blood vessel can cause a problem anywhere in the body uh let's let's be honest about it so um any anything where hospital treatment or you let's forget hospitals you need to see your gp about which involves pain and swelling if i want to be generic as that mm. um, would be useful to know about the one yeah. the one that i would throw in maybe um i'm sorry if I, I missed it when you were talking about it a minute ago was was problems with your vision oh yes yeah you did say about the eyes yes so, uh, so, so it's, it's, again it's those little vessels and that, that feed the eye um, can get damaged if there's a blockage there. So I think that, that that's one that is regularly mentioned is, is problems with the eyes. Um, is there a specific term for that? Because I know with diabetes we have, we talk about retinopathy. Is is there sort of a specific medical term in regards to what might happen with the eyes? Or is it I just, think, or is it just a generic that, anything happening with the eyes kind of thing? <laughs> I think in the in the context of of this particular disease, then um, you're probably just looking at um, and something called an occlusion. Okay. One of the vessels, which mean, basically means it's blocked. Okay. It's blocked because um, that's that's the um, uh, the difference really between um, that and, and retinopathy, which tends okay. to be more easily diagnosable. If I can call it that, it has specific symptoms which are very specific to diabetics. This is more. This, this is more around a blocking of the artery or an occlusion, and okay. the, the occlusion, by the way, is a term that you can use for strokes, coronary uh, heart disease, and a lot of other places. It just literally means blocking, blockage. Okay, that's uh, that's good. To know. I was going to say it's one of those things where it's like if I again I'm, I'm going to diabetes because I'm thinking of retinopathy because that's the yeah. one that really stands out in my mind because I've heard it so much. But yeah, I just yeah. for me when I'm speaking to people as an advisor, I would say to people, have you? I might say retinopathy, but I might also just say, have you had anything in terms of your eyes? Have you needed to have specific checks at all? Any kind of outcomes? Because I always wonder if I say retinopathy that it might people might not have heard that term. You know, yeah, in a sense, I'm, you know, I'm it's technical. yeah. 
yeah, yeah. so technical and, and also I sometimes worry like that I might actually forget the right word for it myself with not we're not doing it all the time so that the occlusion occlusion that you just mentioned there um I'm worried that I would maybe not remember to say the right word and that I might just panic and say retinopathy because I'm used yeah. to retinopathy so I would so yeah so just for anybody advice like that you don't need to know all the the technical just make sure you're asking you know any kind of you know involvements with the hands or feet swelling any kind of involvements with the eyes and that should should be able to get you those initial indications, that initial bit of information from people to just really, really help. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, you don't. I don't think you do need to know the, the, all the technicals at this yes. at, the, at that stage. Absolutely, it's the symptoms which I think people will remember. Yes, um, well, most people remember going to get their eyes checked, weren't they? And sort of like, and sort of saying, "Well, I got it checked and it was fine," or I had it checked and there was something else that was going on that they need, they want to have a look at. And then that's when you know, and you can speak to the underwriters who will then be thinking, "Right, there could be an occlusion there," and yeah, they can do the the technical side of it. I think it's the key thing with those vision problems is is to ask the question, "Why? Yeah, why were you checked?" So yeah. to, you know, to, to absolutely differentiate, this isn't a routine checkup, but you're optimistic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, somebody a gp or um, a consultant's ophthalmologist would ask you know we need to look at this yeah so it's the why i think absolutely your visions definitely so i know you've said a bit about life insurance and outcomes so the next bit is just say life insurance critical illness cover income protection what do you think people are potentially likely to see in terms of the the, the living benefits yeah. Um, I, I would say that anybody with uh, full sickle cell disease um, is will not get any of the living benefits. In terms of the critical illness, um, then there are a number of the, the big conditions where the individual is at risk of suffering problems from. Um, you mentioned stroke. You could, you've we touched on heart attack. You could call, you know, if if push comes to shove, um, if if the the blood doesn't get through to a part of the body, let's say hands, feet, um, loss of limb. Maybe I'm yeah. being a bit, a bit left field there on that one. Um, so I, I I believe you would not get critical illness or income protection. Beta thalassemia, um, and therefore it's what this is why it's important to understand to get to get the actual type of sickle cell disease then i don't see i don't see any reason with the um positive um you should not be able to get terms depending on the overall case as in yes. what symptoms and what issues have come out of of having that particular disorder in terms of sickle cell sickle cell trait um again look at the history um, but in the event of absolutely no problems whatsoever, then I would say there's no reason to get why you shouldn't get standard rates. But if you if we if we look at you know we talked about life insurance, you're absolutely right. But if we look at the um, average age of death, mortality mm. of being, let's say let's I said forty to sixty, but let's take that fifty four. Yeah. Then, you know some 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 sadly and very sadly something is going to kill these people and it's very unlikely to be a sudden death yeah they're going to be they will have died of some one of the complications and a lot of those complications are actually covered in critical illness yeah um, and also with income protection then those complications will stop somebody from working 
So I, I do not see how any people could take those on. The key issue is to get the actual type of sickle cell sorted on day one. Otherwise, it can take you down a, um, a, a path of maybe not offering cover when, in fact, a solution could be found one way or the other. Does that does that help? We're quite, we're we're we're, 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 we're with full blown on full blown sickle uh, sickle cell disease. Then we're talking a you know, pretty serious disabling. Uh, yes. No, absolutely. I, I think in terms of what we've seen as an advisor, you know, for the majority of that I completely, you know, ag agree with you, Matt. You know, in terms of critical illness cover income protection, we are going to be looking at a lot of insurers wouldn't be able to offer um, cover for full sickle cell anemia um, if somebody is living with that. Um, there can be some specialist options. Um, there can be some options through employers. Um, oh, there can yeah. be some options in terms of the income protection where, so with income protection, we ideally want it where somebody is um, is able to get a, a policy where it can potentially pay right up to retirement age. Um, where we might find that somebody who's living with sickle cell, it might be that it's more restricted to maybe one or two years claim per claimable event so it's, it's not going to be being there for the long term like you were saying there Matt you know the complication that might stop someone working due to having the sickle cell it's, it's not going to be there for that long term um, support in terms of the income but it might provide at least a couple of years worth of um, support if possible. Um, in terms of the life insurance there are some insurers who can potentially it, it really just depend upon time frames so if somebody has, you know, I'd say a lot of insurers, again, I think with full sickle cell, and if the symptoms have been quite recent or, you know, strong, then we're going to find probably a lot of insurers are going to be declining. There are, again, some really specialist insurers. And in the life insurance space, especially with the specialist insurers, it's not saying that we're necessarily going to be looking at silly prices or silly exclusions or anything like that there can be incredibly high prices for them at times you know but i'm just saying it's not always the case um there can be options that we can be looking at for people and um with this but, so another thing with that one as well as you were saying there matt about like the age of the average age actually of of death is around the age of 54 with some insurers on the standard market, what we can potentially do without having to go super specialist, we can potentially say to them, well, what about doing, instead of, you know, we're wanting a policy to, I don't know, to cover the mortgage of 25 years, which is exactly what we'd want to do if there was a mortgage. But if we, if it's either a choice of no cover or some cover, if you can't do the full 25 years, can you at least insure them for the next 10? And trying to do something like that, you can sometimes, and I know that that's not ideal because we're not doing the full mortgage term. As an, this is just an example, a random one that's come into my head. But at least we're getting 10 years worth of cover. And then when we're getting a couple of years down the line, can we maybe look at changing it? Can we extend it and so start another 10 years in a sense and cancel the original one, start the new one? So it's just each year we're trying to hopefully get um, a couple more years out of the cover. For sickle cell trait, we probably wouldn't be expecting uh, much, you know, um, difficulty in getting the insurances. But as Matt has been saying, it does depend on whether or not there has been any kind of symptoms at all. And uh, the insurer would um, would obviously take that into account. And that would be very much what the symptoms were and how recent they were as well. Um, 
So just before we go on to the case study, Matt, what are we thinking in terms of the family medical history of sickle cell? Now, when we asked when we asked these things on protection insurance applications, sickle cell in itself isn't usually listed as a you we asked things like you know if you have had any family members well just immediate family members so that's just your blood related parents and siblings before the age of 65 had they had any of these conditions now sickle cell doesn't usually pop up but there are some insurers that do say any hereditary condition that you know of and might have been tested for don't they so for those insurers where we'd maybe have to say yes that there has been um, sickle cell in the family what kind of outcomes do we think that family medical history could could lead to? I think I think I've, I've taken a, a specific question there, um, but maybe I'll just beat around the bush a little bit. Okay. In, term, in terms of, um, I, I'm not a personally, and very personally speaking, I'm not a great lover of the question and any other inherited condition. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit broad, because, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is extremely broad, and frankly, I I, I think it uh, shouldn't be asked. And mm. end of story. You should ask a specific question. Um, in in terms of if um, uh, an advisor actually knew that it was an inherited condition, then you know, it, bear in mind, it's not really for the advisor to make them their own mind up on this. It's the, yeah. they were advising. It's the it's the client. Um, then, by all means, put put down sickle cell. I think by the time somebody is of the um, uh, how do I put it, the the, the the insurable age, the most yeah. common insurable age. So let's let's go eighteen. That's far too young, but let's go eighteen. Yeah. Then, if they did have full blown sickle cell disease, they would know about it. Yes, absolutely. And therefore, everything would you know everything it, it would kind of come out in the generic. Um, uh, underwriting proposal questions um, anyway. In, I, the one thing I would also throw in here is that um, I'm sure you will know this, as about, particularly as you've got um, relatively young children, mm. but sickle cell is tested for um, yes. very early on in a baby's life, in a newborn's life. That little heel prick test that they do Absolutely. on them at the beginning. Absolutely. So, again, um, as far as I'm aware... Don't think I'm wrong, but it's following where all babies born in the UK have that test. Yes. And therefore, um, they should do, yes. You should do, yes. <laughs> fair, fair comment, should. <laughs> uh, um, that, that, you know, that, that condition, again, will be, would be well known by the time the actual proposal, that they are, they are of the age and the um, proposal is completed, which then begs the question why do you ask, in the, why do insurers ask? because it'll be a well-known fact. And by the time the person gets to, let's say, 18, if there had been a, a problem, then they would know about it. Is it as, is it, is it as um, uh, uh, a gatekeeper, as some underwriters love to um, term some of these questions? Mm. Then it may be, but what, what real value it adds, I, I, I wouldn't be too sure. So family family history, do you really need to ask it? I would probably say add as little value. You would know if the person had yeah. a sickle cell full blown on via the questions on the prop. I was going to say, yeah, because I was going to say in terms of the other hereditary conditions, logically, if someone said yes, and there is sickle cell anemia in the family, sickle cell disease, then logically it shouldn't affect the terms because the person would have already been 
if, if they diagnosed themselves anyway and it would have come up elsewhere in the application so that, if there's a that, family history true. it shouldn't affect um the outcomes as and, far and as, as, as us to say matt whether or not that's going to be the outcome that people see everywhere but as far as we're concerned that is the outcome that, that people should, that should that should be the outcome and remember of course you can get a lot of false what i would call a false positive i hope that's not too much of a technical term no no where, it's fine where yes there, there is family uh family with it but it's just it's it, but it results in sickle cell trait yes which is not great interest to underwriters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, it, it's not a question that I, if, <clears throat> if I was ever a chief underwriter again, which I very much doubt at my age, um, then it would be something that I, I would not have on my proposal form. Okay. That's really good to know. Thank you, Matt. Right then, so we've just got a little case study to share with everybody. So um, we had somebody that um, had come to us at Cure and needed support. They're in their mid-30s, they're a non-smoker. And when we discussed everything with them, everything was absolutely fine. But they did tell us that they had sickle cell trait. And that was, okay, absolutely fine. The amount of cover we were going for did mean that we were going for um, medical reports, that we were going for medicals as well. So nurses screen, um, which is for anybody who's not familiar with nurses screen, is where a nurse or GP... Um, visits the application, the, or the applicant, there we go, um, at a, a time and place that suits them. And they'll do things like blood tests, urine samples, height and weight. They can check um, with a little swab in the cheek to check that they're a non-smoker or not. Um, there can sometimes be things like lung capacity as well. I've had them done a few times myself, so I'm quite familiar with them. And what happened was is that we, we were going through everything and all of a sudden the GP report came back and it showed actually that the person had had some crises in the past which did lead us to think well actually maybe this person has it's not just sickle cell trait maybe maybe they actually do have sickle cell um, disease and there's been a misunderstanding somewhere because they're very clearly in the GP report and when it's always a good idea when you get this information on GP reports to just chat with not assume that the GP report is correct but also not assume that it's wrong um, but just to speak to your client and say to them look this, they've mentioned this and this happened at this time is that correct is that you you know and sometimes they can come back and go, oh, God, yeah, I completely forgot about that. And then other times they come back and go, absolutely not me. And they have to get the medical records corrected. And then you can end up with, you know, really positive outcomes once all the changes have been made. But for this person, it was accurate that there had been some crises. And we were at a time frame where the insurers, you know, clearly did want to know about them. And it did change the outcome a bit compared to what we thought. So instead of, you know, sort of the original terms that we thought we would have, there was an increase to the premium due to the um due to the person's medical history. So for this person, it was a million pounds worth of life cover over 38 years, and the price ended up being around about 158 pounds per month. So I appreciate for people listening and if anybody does have sickle cell um, who's listening to this and isn't familiar with the insurance world, that premium is going to seem, you know, probably pretty, pretty hefty. But please just bear in mind for this person, we were looking for a million pounds worth of life cover and it was over a very long time period as well. You know, we were going into their 70s, which isn't something that everybody is going to need. Not everybody needs a million pounds worth of life cover. Often for a lot of people, it is much less than that. So so that premium isn't necessarily, you know, don't take that as a as an assumption of where your pricing might end up being. But that's it. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, as always, Matt, for your insights. My pleasure. Lovely to speak to you. Lovely to speak to you too. Um, next episode, we're going to be back and we're going to be speaking with the C charity and we're going to be talking about financial abuse and what we can do as advisors to try and as best as possible to spot this, try and 
be involved in helping to prevent it and what we can do if we think that something like this is happening. So if you'd like a reminder of the next episode, please do drop me a message on social media or visit the website practical-protection.co.uk. And as always, don't forget, if you've listened to this as part of your work, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website too. Thanks to our sponsors, the Octa members. Thank you, Matt. Speak soon. Take care.